Infrastructure is crumbling and the problems are only getting worse. The pressure to find solutions is hot. Let's talk about why American cities have no water, no electricity, and no money to fix their infrastructure problems. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast, hosted by Chad Smelter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat. My name is Chad Smelter. I am your host. Today's guest is Dr. Dennis Truex, who is the 2022 president of the American Society of Civil Engineering. Thank you for joining me, Dennis. My pleasure, Chad. Thanks for the invitation. I'm so excited to talk to you because infrastructure is a very hot topic right now. Obviously, in the world we're in, (laughs) it's always something going on in infrastructure. So uh, great to... Well, at ASCE, infrastructure has been a hot topic for a couple of decades now. We've been pushing the idea, but we finally have been heard and we're beginning to make real progress uh, to reassert our uh, infrastructure or technological advantage in the U.S. Uh, in ways that hasn't been done for several that, decades. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, you're bringing light to the actual, you know, grading the infrastructure, which you were, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. Everybody just completely not paying attention to infrastructure until something falls apart, right? The bridge collapses or something like that. And then, yeah, so right. you guys are doing a great job in, in bringing light to to all the infrastructure problems. Can you give me a little background, a little history? Uh, I know you have a lot of education. Um, you know, you got a lot of abbreviations. Can you go through a little bit of your background there? Sure, glad to. Uh, you already mentioned that I was a, a PhD. Uh, so I have my doctorate as well as the other associated degrees. My field of study was uh, environmental engineering within the framework of civil engineering. Uh, in that process, I did other things, biochemistry, statistics. Um, I, I moved into water resources. Ultimately, I became nationally certified, board certified as an environmental engineer. And then a few years later, I became board certified as a water resources engineer because of a combination of the work I was doing and the education and expertise I developed, if you rather. Um, I'm also recognized by ASE as what they call a fellow. That means that I've been in the organization for a number of years and have uh, uh, advanced the profession either through practice or through education or a combination thereof. And then the National Society of Professional Engineers also recognized me for the work that I have been doing through NSP as well as a number of other organizations. I serve on the licensure board in the state of Mississippi. I work with the National Council of Examiners for Engineers and Surveyors, which is the national organization that, that models licensure at the national level. I've worked with the accredited uh, group for engineering the ABET uh, at the engineering level and have worked with them in a number of capacities, uh, visits, accreditation, committees, what have you. So I've worked in the profession uh, in a lot of different ways to advance yeah. the profession. Uh, from a career standpoint, uh, 41 years on the faculty at Mississippi State University. Uh, culminating in my being the director of the Rural School of Civil and Environmental Engineering, uh, holding the uh, uh, Thomas White Chair in uh, Civil and Environmental Engineering, and I was director of the Mississippi Transportation Research Center for over a decade. Um, And then in my spare time, I've had three consulting firms, uh, one major manufacturing firm, 
Uh, I've worked literally around the world as a consulting engineer on everything from hazardous waste to wastewater and water treatment, water supply, water management. I've uh, designed over 550 water and wastewater treatment plants on a global yeah. scale. Um, and then somewhere in there, I occasionally went to I was going to say, <laughs> when do you find time to do anything else? Wow, that's amazing background. <laughs> well, I have a wonderful family that's been very supportive. I have two beautiful daughters who are very smart. My oldest daughter just finished her doctorate in nurse nursing practice. My youngest daughter is finishing her doctorate in geosciences. Yeah. Uh, my mother, uh, my mother, excuse me, my mother was a teacher. Uh, my dad was a business uh, person. My, uh, my wife was in business and she, uh, she was an entrepreneur, uh, very successful, uh, retired a few years ago. And, uh, so it's, it's, it's been a wonderful family, very supportive of allowing me to really seek my passion. And that passion really has been to try and make things better yeah. for others. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Me too. It's, uh, that's our goal is, is to bring to light the infrastructure problems. And it's amazing backgrounds you have. And I'm humbled to have you on this podcast because it's, it's, yeah, look, it's, it's one of those things where we need to educate. We need to talk about it more. We need to talk about infrastructure, get it out there. And, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, and I appreciate you doing this because you're 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 on point. We need to have this conversation, and just because of the successes over the past twelve to fourteen months, uh, in terms of making advances or getting the ball moving on infrastructure, there is a tremendous amount of work, which I'm sure we'll talk about today, that has yet to be done, that needs to be done, and it will need to be yeah. continued. Yeah. So, Okay, so uh, what drove your motivation to to become an engineer? I mean, that's that's one thing that, you know, <laughs> I'd like to learn is just more of your background as far as I, obviously your family, entrepreneurs, and you wanted to be an engineer. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> well, it, 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 I, I, you, you, you can call it karma. You could call it divine intervention. Okay. Uh, I, I set plans and then I go on a different path. It seems like uh, I, my my goal in becoming an engineer is I wanted to create things. I wanted to to build big things, and so therefore I wanted to be an architectural okay. engineer. Um, my mother wanted me to go into civil because she saw the service piece of that. My parents were both uh, service oriented. Uh, they instilled that idea of being service to others in my sister and I, and, 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 and it just kind of has always resonated with me. But I didn't hear the resonation until I got into okay. my career. A variety of reasons I ended up in yeah. civil. Uh, the architectural engineering program basically never unfolded, and it wasn't an academic. Basically, the university I went to canceled the program as I was walking through the door, so I had to pick something wow. else. And, and, and in the same regard, I thought it was going to be structural engineering, and I found my passion in environmental engineering because it actually was, to me, more creative. Uh, it allowed me to address and to use my approaches to try and improve conditions. And that's really been ultimately the driving force, what got me to where yeah. I am today. And, and what still resonates with me and, and what is, in fact, the foundation of the passion that I have with regard to civil engineering and infrastructure and, and service to community is that service piece. Uh, the infrastructure system, and, and I hope the, the, uh, the, the listeners understand when we talk about infrastructure, we're talking about the foundation for the quality of life, foundation for economic community development, 
It's a foundation for social justice. It's a foundation for all the things that, as you said at the beginning, we yeah. take for granted. And, and, and we've been able in the United States to take it for granted because we did a lot of work up through the late 70s, early, very early 80s. Things changed uh, with the transitions in the 1980s. Yeah. But up through the end of the 70s, this country did a lot of investment in infrastructure post-war. Mm -hmm. Uh, wanted to improve quality of life. People wanted to see their children do better. And, and so that's what we were doing. We were investing yeah. in that. For the past yeah. four decades, we have lived off what really my grandparents and my parents built and have kind of maintained it, but not really, never really advanced it, kind of been happy to make small improvements, but never talked about what the 21st century would need little and what we have to do today is talk about what the 22nd century is going to need us to have in place for us to continue to be yeah. successful. We need, we need to recognize, Chad, that if you look historically, and I'm, I'm, a lot of us aren't historians. I didn't really like history, but I've learned to like yeah. it since. If you look at the rise and fall of yep. nations, it is, it is infrastructure that allowed nations to rise to prominence on a regional or global scale. And more times than not, it was infrastructure that led to yeah. their demise. I point to Rome and we think of Rome and the highways and the bridges and the aqueducts and all that. But it was also the failure of the systems that caused the pollution of the, uh, of the soils that reduced the food supply and the, and, the, and the lead pipes that caused the demise of the, of the upper class. And it was a, a reduction in, in, in a concentration of unsanitary practices that led to a disease that ultimately uh, hampered and weakened a, a very significant uh, government yeah. organization. And so we talk about security. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about infrastructure, yeah. no, it, it's 100%. Uh, it's the foundation, like you pointed out at the beginning yeah. when you were talking about, uh, you know, communities, sustainability, infrastructure is the it's the ground on which we stand on, right? That's that's where we are, and that's what needs to be built up. Uh, without it, you, literally, yeah, exactly. Without it, you have nothing. Yeah. Literally, yeah. nothing. So, uh, yeah. good, good. So interesting thing you you mentioned in 1980s. There was a transition. Can you elaborate, like, uh, what you meant from from the 80s, is there a transition like you were talking about from the 80s to 90s as far as infrastructure goes? Or well, well, coming into the 80s, there was a there was a uh, a fatigue, let's okay. say, of people putting money into federal government and not understanding how it was being used. Well, how it was being used was building infrastructure. Okay. Uh, up through the 70s, we were building water and wastewater treatment plants because we wanted to ensure safe drinking water and we were tired of polluting the, the surface waters that we wanted to recreate in or we're using as a water supply. We were, we had started the infrastructure, the, the interstate transportation yeah. system in the, in the fifties, uh, somewhat to the detriment of the rail system in the seventies, but it was the, it, you know, the rail system started to, to really get adversely impacted in the 70s. Air transportation was adversely impacted in the 80s. And, and so uh, at the beginning of the 80s, we went from really doing a lot of federal level investment in infrastructure uh -huh. that had interstate opportunities as well as regionalized and localized opportunities to make quality of life better to 
not investing in yeah. anything. Uh, the, the, the grants, the loans, the programs that were coming from the federal government to allow us to do those either went away overnight or gradually dried up. And so by the 90s, we all of a sudden refused to increase the gas tax. Wow. And, and so, you know, since the early 90s, we haven't done anything about, I mean, not even a cost of living adjustment for the gas tax, which is integral to maintaining our transportation right. system, particularly our right. highway system. Uh, and, and so these are all, and, and we've never changed that. The conversation started, uh, ASCE, American Society of Civil Engineers, uh, picked up uh, and, and continued the conversation starting in the late 90s about right. infrastructure. And we and we've worked on the uh, U.S. Hill and in, and in the executive branch as well, talking about the importance of, of infrastructure in national security and improving our position in terms of a globally competitive marketplace, in terms of being able to improve the quality of life for the constituency, and and we've hammered on this since the late nineties, yeah. and and. It's been over the past few years that we've actually been successful. The passage of the bipartisan infrastructure law last yeah. year, signed, signed the law uh, November of, of uh, yeah. last year. Actually, no, it was 21. I'm I fine. say last year. I forget. We just, this is 2023, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. So, so okay. So I'll, I'll adapt. Uh, then last year we worked on uh, the uh, uh Inflation yep. Reduction Act, which is really an infrastructure yep. act. Uh, a lot of uh, if, if information and, and emphasis and focus on, say, broadband, just as one of many yep. examples. And then ASC, and we worked on uh, CHIPS, well, what turned into ultimately we called the CHIPS and Science yep. Act, where we, for the first time in over 20 years, are investing in uh, uh, applied research at the yep. national level to address some of the issues of new materials, new designs, new processes for infrastructure and make the quality of life better. But it's not just quality of life. We're not just talking about the fact that we all have, have a party this afternoon. We're talking about, when, when we talk about quality of life, we're talking about uh, uh, workplace yeah. security. We're talking about a growing economy. We're talking about a global competitiveness yep. that allows us to, to uh, provide good jobs, a good quality of life, a good standard of living. There's the word I'm yep. struggling for or phrase, good standard mm -hmm. of living. That is all founded in this. And unfortunately, because most people never really get outside of their sphere, I call it a silo. They don't realize what the quality of living could be. And they get complacent or satisfied with what it is, even though they don't recognize it has deteriorated over the yeah. decades. It's so uh, it has an amazing history. I love it. I, I'm like, you, I'm downloading all of this information. I'm like, this is so cool. Uh, okay. So one of the yeah. things I wanted to figure out is, it, so why did the federal money dry up? Do you think? Like, why did the investment stop in the sound like the late '80s going into the '90s? What is there? Is that a tricky topic to get into? Or I'm just curious. Well, it, it's not tricky. It's it. I mean, it, it's politically yeah. argumentative. Okay. And in the environment we live in today, I don't know if we want to get into a politically argumentative, right. but uh, in the early 80s, and I, I'm, I'm going to leave the yeah, politics yeah, out. You can go back to your political history and figure out who right. we're talking about. But in the early 80s, we got to the point where it was a matter of, you know, we were coming out of hyperinflation. 
uh, people's lives were in, in turmoil, and we were basically said, you know, we're just going to we're just going to stop investing at the at the at the local level in people, and we're going to start giving money to those people uh, that are very rich, with the idea that the the extra money that they no longer need will fall off the table and quote trickle down uh, to the rest of it. us yep. end quote. Oh, Got yeah. the idea? Yeah, 100%. Okay. It's, it's, so the idea, if we were going to give money to those people who were then going to support us lesser halves through the breadcrumbs falling yeah. off the table concept, the trickle-down concept, we had to come up with that money somewhere, and we came up with that money by not putting it on the table that we were all yeah. living on, yeah. infrastructure. Yeah, the infrastructure. So, okay, uh, <laughs> I'm learning so much right now. It's awesome. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> now we're in the same situation, similar situation, right? So we're in a, we're in a economic issue where we need to invest in infrastructure. We all know that it's, it's crumbling. Uh, and we know we need to get the information out there about how important infrastructure is. The funding starting to come in from the federal side to help us, uh, you know, build our communities and, and, and grow. I, I guess my question to you would be is, is, is might be a tricky, it's the hot seat question. All right. Is it? Is it okay. the municipalities, local government's responsibility to maintain their own infrastructure, or should the federal government always come in to supply that uh, money to help them improve their local infrastructure? That's a, you know, you see where I'm uh, going with that. Excellent, ex excellent <laughs> question, and the answer is okay. yes. Yeah, <laughs> all of the above. Um, we have at the local level. I, I, I let me let me take yeah. half step back, frame this in the context of where I'm coming from, and then I'll, I'll go forward. I I think it's funny, and I live it literally, uh, where I see people arguing against federal taxation, yeah. and the moment there's a natural disaster, they look at the Fed and say, "Help!" Exactly. Yeah. I mean, really, people, you know, what? they got a giant pool of money. See, that's it. They've got this giant pool of money up there. They're not giving to anybody. Right. And so when I need help, it's my turn. It doesn't work that way. It, it, talk about Social yeah. Security and the way it got funded. People went on to Social Security, never paid a yeah. dime in it. Decades and decades, you know, almost 100 yeah. years ago. But but the reality is this is, this is a pay-it-forward kind of yeah. system. Infrastructure is an investment program. And so it, it becomes really a matter of the local community. And I mean the citizens. I don't mean the, the mayor and the aldermen and the county supervisors. Right. The local citizens need to be talking about what they want yeah. and what they need. Do we want industry in my, in my town? If we want industry, what does that take? Do I want a shopping center in my town? If I want, what does that take? Infrastructure-wise, yeah. infrastructure-wise. So, you know, when we talk about, when you ask an industrial developer, and I've worked with indirectly, indirectly with uh, companies and corporations that are looking to locate in our state here. And when you talk to them, what are the things you're looking for? Well, infrastructure. What's the transportation? What's the power grid? How do right. I get water? How do I dispose of my waste? How do I manage my solid waste? What's hazardous waste going to do? How am I going to get my goods and services that I produce out of here and into the yeah. marketplace? Education of my of my mm -hmm. uh, workforce. Are they are they intelligent? Are they educatable? Can I train them? These kind these are the the things yeah. they're looking for. 
uh, I know of one instance I was working on uh, where the community did not want a particular company storefront to move in very large yeah. box store to move into their country. So we don't, we don't really want you. We like our mom and pop operations. We like our, our we, so, and, and what they were saying to the, the company was, and therefore we're not going to give you the millions of dollars of tax breaks that you're asking for to yeah. locate here to which the big box store said, okay, we're still locating there. The market says we should mark, look, and, and they were asked, I, I'm sitting in the meeting, they, they were asked, wait a minute, you asked for all these millions of dollars of givebacks and tax relief and infrastructure development, and you're going to locate here even if we don't give them to you? He said, yeah. Well, why did you ask for it? He said, why, why exactly. not? If, you, if I can get it from you, I'm going to take it. If I if I don't need it, it's a windfall for me. Right. I don't, I'm not here to make you money. I'm here to make me money. Not exactly the way to put it, but it became right. obvious. You know, they yeah. ask for it. You don't get what Why you not? don't ask for. So that that that's part of the so the local government local constituency needs yeah. to be involved. The government needs to facilitate what the constituency wants, and in part of that is their responsibility to educate the local constituency as to what yeah. the cost is and how that cost gets recovered. I, I, is it is it by taxation? Is it by fees? Is it by yeah. whatever? Is it by, you know, an indistributed right. fee? And then states need to play a game, part of that game, yep. support it. Uh, there needs to be an integration of transportation. It doesn't do a community any good to build a super highway that ends at the city yeah. limits. So the, the state needs to be engaged in that conversation as well and support it, direct it, provide expertise for it. And then in the same regard, the state system needs to plug into a national system. So there needs to be a national mm -hmm. investment, a national conversation. And so that's why you have departments of transportation and US EPA and, 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 and the other organizations uh, at the federal level overseeing and directing and trying to provide some kind of vision as to what the national system should be. But you also, but there's no yeah. free lunch. You, you need to, you need to have some yeah. skin in the game. You need to invest. You need to invest in what it is that you're trying to achieve, and so that, that's a long response to my yes or an explanation of my yes. Yeah. But you hit it. It's everybody's responsibility, it and to say, and 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 red. Let's also one one point I also want to make. Let's recognize that the reason government gets involved in this, it's because the individual can't do it by themselves. Yep. Government's role is to do the things individuals can't yeah. do. And in the same breath, I will then add my caveat, and this is me. This isn't any other organization. This is just me. Let's also recognize, going back to my other conversation about yeah. trickle-down, let's also recognize that industry is not going to invest in your municipal infrastructure out of their right. goodness of their heart. They will do it because it will benefit them, and they will only do it to the extent that will benefit them, and that is certainly yeah. justifiable. They're not an altruistic organism. Uh, uh, they are a, a money-making organism, and as a result, they will do whatever helps that organism survive yeah. and succeed. But but they they have a role to play yeah, in this no, as they well. They do, and it's it's, it's it's super important. It, it, as and I brought this up to a couple other engineers. Is I'm a constituent, right? I'm a taxpayer. I want to know. And it's, it's probably goes into transparency, right? With the, the constituents and local governments. I want to know where my tax dollars are going. I want to know what my infrastructure, what our community infrastructure together looks like, right? 
but we don't have that. We don't. I think we missed that huge opportunity to to work with our constituents and internally within local governments, and we fail completely. Well, uh, again, let me let me drag you back into the okay. history lesson. In the seventies, we looked at politicians and expected them to inform us as to why things were done the way they were done. In the eighties particularly early part of the 80s, there was a song that was running around and it actually got picked up as part of the political strategy. And the song basically went, don't worry, be happy. I remember that song. And, and that, that idea of, of don't worry about the, don't, don't worry your poor feeble mind. And the education system leads yeah. us that way too. You know, we're, we're not taught, people today aren't taught to think critically. Right. They aren't taught. They aren't taught to question. If you question me, then I have to have answers. If you just believe in me, if you have that tribal approach, Mm -hmm. you're part of my tribe. Know that I'm working for your best. I mean, I'm hearing people on on literally today talking about I'm here because, and of course, we're talking about what's going on in D.C. right now. I'm here because I want to help the people. Well, for the past four years, folks, you didn't do squat for the people. You know, it's been anything but help the people. But, you know, I'm here to represent people and I want to make lives better for the people. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. By being an obstructionist or or whatever, I don't know. It's they'll have to justify it themselves. But then that's that's part of it. And that started that idea of I don't want to explain to you. I just want you to believe in me has really manifest over the past couple of decades. And I'll lay that on both sides. I mean, both sides of the aisle. That's that's not that's just the way it, things it are. Totally is. I don't want to have to explain to you. Maybe it's because I don't believe you're smart enough to understand. I think that's wrong. I, maybe it's because I, I I don't want you to understand what I'm doing. Yeah. Or, or because if you do, you might disagree with me, and then I'd lose your yeah. support. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, that, that's, yeah. It, it, I just feel like that's uh, one thing we can definitely improve on. But that's uh, before we get too political. Let's go into. Uh, Oh, no, forget politics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, just, I, I, I know sometimes I catch myself going down that road, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to not do those. Well, it's, it's, it's hard, hard not to. But, uh, yeah. Okay, so infrastructure. Let's focus on, like, local governments uh, have the, you know, infrastructure. They control. The percentage is, like, 94% of the infrastructure in America is 94. Yeah. And then federally, it's, like, six or something like yeah. that. It's not a lot. Um, so, yeah. so now we're asking the federal government to help fix our infrastructure in these local governments. Uh, we have a budget set within the local governments. I'm just walking through this, right? That's getting distributed through, you know, to fix infrastructure through public works departments throughout the, you know, the country, right? Um, how do you feel we are doing as far as managing that budget or knowing enough information about what infrastructure we actually need to fix? Because we don't have a lot of data or information sometimes on our infrastructure. Locally, there are there are good examples and there are bad examples. So let me focus on the positive. Uh, Utah, outstanding job. They 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 have really focused on the infrastructure. If you go to Utah and drive the transportation systems, and I say this with good friends out there who have been impactful on on this. Uh, modern infrastructure, modern transportation systems, cutting edge, new technology, and that is all Utah-driven. Yeah. Okay? Uh, L.A., 
metro area. I've got good friends down in that area. And some of the things they're doing in terms of water supply, water sustainability, water resource development, uh, transportation systems, uh, urban renewal, urban development, uh, social justice, poster job. This is, you know, this is what we should Mm -hmm. be doing everywhere. But you've got other communities, again, I'm not going to go too too to the dark (laughs) side, but you've got other communities that are led by people that don't see yeah. that, you know, they, they've got a main street and two traffic lights and, and they don't even understand that they should have a, pro, a, a progressive maintenance right. budget that talks about plans for when that road's got to be repaired or overlaid or even replaced. And when the traffic lights have to be maintained or upgraded, it, this, this idea of planning for maintenance in the future, uh, progressive right. maintenance is something that a lot of small not communities don't do. They're right. reactive, not yeah. proactive. And so two, two different ends yeah. of the spectrum. No, you're, you're spot on there. And that's uh, all the people I interview recently, you know, utility directors, superintendents, it's all we're We're trying to switch from reactive to proactive. Right now it's lack of yep. manpower, right? They don't have enough resources to even maintain the infrastructure they have in most aspects of things. Uh, go ahead. Well, yeah, that's that's yeah. the other piece. Money helps, but if you don't have the people, and that's why we're talking today about, and particularly in engineering, mm-hmm. about what is the engineering profession today? What does it need to be? We at ASCE, uh, again, American Society of Civil Engineers, we talk about the engineering yeah. family. We we don't just talk about the engineers. We talk about the engineers and the technicians and the technologists and the scientists and and everybody, the associates that build and support these activities because they each have a role to play. And it's not just natural science. It's not physical science. The social science has to be part Mm -hmm. of this as well. We have to be concerned about uh, building infrastructure in in a socially responsible, equitable way that supports it lifts, you know, you've heard, I know you've heard the adage, you know, a rising sea floats all yeah. boats. Well, we haven't really done that with infrastructure. Right. There's been hit or miss. And, and we need to get back to the idea that when we do an investment, it should be to the benefit of all yeah. of society, not just. Where do you think that family of engineers, uh, engineering firms, uh, where do you think we may have failed over the last couple of decades is, is it education, communication? What do you think? I I think it's it, it, I think it's tied with the infrastructure okay. issue. I think if we had had the conversations about infrastructure, and if people had seen an opportunity for them to have impact on society through engagement in infrastructure yeah. projects. Uh, that there would be more individuals moving into the set. And I say this as an academician, yep. okay? Uh, civil engineers, individuals, students in universities going into civil engineering are taking, they're not as prolific, they're not as numerous as those going into, say, computer mm-hmm. science because they hear an awful lot about cybersecurity. Right. Or maybe it's because they want to design video games. And I'm not a computer scientist, and I don't mean to be disparaging or neither. Cybersecurity, of course, is yeah. extremely important, and right. so are video games. <laughs> but 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 the idea is they see that. There's impact in their lives, and they see that, or they hear mm-hmm. it being talked about. 
And so they see the opportunities and they think they want to, they think they can have impact. And in some cases it's the, it's the money they can make. So they, they're, they're, they're pushed into or motivated to go yeah. after the money. Well, if we rewarded civil engineers and, and the civil engineering family, the way they should, I would argue, obviously yeah. somewhat biased the, the, because you would have nothing if it wasn't right. for us. If we were rewarded for giving you everything you have, now I sound myself like a deity. <laughs> Nevertheless, the idea is, you know, if we were compensated right. for that right. in that way, but we're not because it's public money, and and as such, we want to be we as a profession are respectful right. of the fact we want to give the maximum. In fact, we give more than what municipalities usually pay for in what it is. We don't charge what we arguably is worth yeah. or worth uh, as a profession because of the impact yeah. we have. And and I'm, I think that's part of it. I think the idea that if people saw the impact, I, I'll give you a, just a mm -hmm. quick analogy. Uh, in 2005, late August of 2005, we probably are all aware that there was an event called Katrina that walked on to the, to the Mississippi and Louisiana right. Gulf Coast. As a result of that, and some other things I was doing at Mississippi State, because I just become what was then department head and later mm -hmm. director, uh, I was promoting the profession, but I was all, but I was promoting it in the sense that this is a hard profession. You don't come into this. This isn't your last choice. This isn't, isn't a default. You come in this because right. you want to. And I took the enrollment of the program and doubled wow. it. In two years, I did it because I emphasized the service piece. I did it because I emphasized how hard it was. And I did it because I could point to Katrina and say, see the failure, see the levee yeah. that collapsed. It was, that was a civil engineering project. And civil engineers knew in the 80s that that levee was going to fail. And we just never got a chance to fix wow. it. But we know how to fix it. Right. We could have done better. And, and see the collapse of the bridge in, in uh, uh, Bay Springs, Mississippi, we knew how to yeah. do better, but we were never allowed to do better. And we need to be both proactive and technically engaged. And people got engaged in this and, and made careers and are making careers Why? out of that. So I think it's really visibility. Yeah. I think it's the conversation. And, and then people will be attracted to yeah, this. It, it got a couple of different questions out of that. Um, so, yes, uh, sure. wages uh, as far as engineers get paid, public work op works operators get paid. I, sw I'm t I couldn't believe the conversation I had last week with a super superintendent and he uh, utility superintendent, I should say, $26 in the state of California to start as a public works operator. And I'm thinking to myself, you can go work at McDonald's for $20 an hour nowadays. Uh, you know, where we, where's our priorities is pay, you know, infrastructure is super important. I can't believe we're starting out at $26 an hour right now. Anyway, go ahead. I think. Yeah. Well, where, where our priority is, I don't want to give the government any tax money so I can go buy that $300 big screen TV that was made right. in China right. uh, and put right. it in my living room. Yeah. That's a, it, yeah. That that's there's your priority. Yeah, okay. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But um, yeah, engineer wise too, it's the same. You know, you start engineers don't make a lot of money uh, coming out. You know, good engineers move themselves up through their firms to be principals, and that seems to be the way the engineering firms promote themselves. Their engineers within, um, you know, I've learned some of that. But it's 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 constantly a, it's a, and then the other part of this is engineers uh, are taking on the projects, they go out in the field, they're educating, they're trying to manage the project, right? But these con contractors are right. 
they've been in the game for 20, 30 years, some of these guys, and they know how to build. And so they see the they see some of the guys coming, the engineers coming out of college with a degree. And man, that's that's one of the disconnects I've seen before is where the you know they they you know become com, competitive, not competitive, but it becomes a obstruction sometimes. It's almost adversarial Adversary, yeah. at times. And I, and when I when I when I got into this profession, uh, one of my most vivid recollections from that period was when uh, we were awarding a contract for, on a project I was working on. And the the winning contractor left, I don't know, like a $36 million project. This is this is back 50, yeah. 50 years ago or so. Uh, it was it was like a $36 million project. They left half a million dollars on oh. the table. The difference between them right. and the next lowest builder right. is the way you frame that. And, and the engineers were all celebrating. It was below <laughs> our estimate. We made the money. Da, 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 da. And I'm going, yeah, but if they can't do the job for this or they're at risk here. So shouldn't they be, you know, I didn't celebrate the idea that the contractor uh, wasn't making money. But then again, I went into construction management for a while and, and I saw that the risk issue that contractors had to deal with and how engineers went yeah. into that. Uh, also recognize a lot of engineers have become contractors yeah. because of the importance of understanding. And then we also have to recognize that, that, uh, construction in the 21st century needs to be different than construction in the 20th right. century, let alone the 19th. Uh, and, and it's getting yeah. that way. Uh, we've got robots that are now building block right. walls. We have uh, drones that are now doing site assessments in hours that used to take yeah. weeks. So the pay scale, the, 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 the payout, the, the monthly, uh, Billing process becomes much more efficient. Uh, safety's better. Asset management's mm -hmm. better. So there's a lot of innovation going on in a the bunch. construction industry, and and the construction <laughs> industry, by and large, the individuals I know at least are embracing it. They they see this as yeah. a win-win. Better quality, better product on time, in budget, with quality, uh, delivered in a way that uh, makes everybody money. The owner saves. The contractor makes. And so I'm really excited about what construction of civil projects infrastructure is going to be over the it, rest it's of the awesome. century. It, it really is going to be amazing what yep. we're going to be able to do with drones and, like you said, uh, robots and things like that in the future. We need it because yeah, AI, AI, it's, yep. it, it, yep. there's not a lot of people yep. that want to get in manholes anymore and get dirty and you know things like that where this is going to really help us out and, and make us more efficient and streamline the whole right. And that's why all those computer scientists are going <laughs> right, over there right. and getting this. Right. We still need guys to get in the holes. Trust me. It's going to happen. We're going to need guys yeah. to do inspection work and yeah. do all that dirty work. Uh, so quick seg let's segue right into this infrastructure life cycle, okay, with the bidding process. We kind of talked about that where the estimates were lower. That's great. That that construction company won the bid, but they were $500,000 lower. I've noticed workmanship in my experience over the last five, 10 years is just from talking to local communities is, you know, they, they go with low bid all the time and they end up getting not the greatest workmanship and the infrastructure starts to fail. What do you think about that? Uh, I lay that off on both the contractor okay. and the engineer. Uh, there, there is a process whereby engineers monitor the work Architects as well. Let's pull them into this yeah. conversation. Uh, they have a, a professional responsibility to monitor the works being done. And if they see a contractor that isn't 
doing quality work, they can make sure that contractor doesn't bid on the next project. Now there's certain forces that unfortunately we get back into, when we get into public money, there's that perception of the public that all things are created equal. You know, I, you know, if I want to pick up, I just want to bid for a pickup. Right. Okay. Now as a private citizen, you may want, you may have a particular brand that you want and as such you won't entertain a bid, if you will, from somebody else. But in the public arena, we kind of do. But even within that, and I get away from the pickup analogy, in the contractor analogy, there's good contractors, the right. bad contractors, and, and we do have the opportunity to a limit to identify the good contractors and work with them and disqualify the right. bad contractors based on performance. That's the first step. The second piece is then this goes back to workforce. Contractors are struggling just like the engineering profession is to find it qualified yeah. individuals, uh, whether it be the ability of individuals to get into college and go to college on the idea that, and, and the, and the, and the Gen Zers have learned or hearing yeah. of the lie, the millennials, the idea is go to college, get an education, get a good job. Well, they went to college, came out and went, now what <laughs> right. do I do? What am I qualified right. to do? I, and this is what I always said to the students I talk to. When you're talking about going to college, talk about what the career is you're preparing yourself for, not the degree that you're going to go pursue. If you want to talk about getting a high school education, that's an right. end game. Okay. But when you talk about college, you need to talk about preparing yourself yeah. for life. And if all you're worried about is getting a degree in XYZ and you don't understand what that degree does or doesn't prepare you for, you're wasting money yeah. and time. Probably both belonging to you or somebody that's dear to you. And and that's yeah. that's wrong. And that's where you end up with students who come out with a quarter of a million dollar student loans who can't pay them off because they're making $20 an hour at McDonald's flipping right. burgers. Right. <laughs> a bit of an overstatement, but, but you, but you understand yeah. what, I'm, what I'm saying. You know, the, the, the cost of their education is not commensurate with the earning power they get as a result of getting that education. And as an engineer, I do put it in that kind of, I'm going to invest in something. I expect a return right. on that investment. I invest in infrastructure. I expect to see a return in that infrastructure. I invest in education. I expect to see a return yeah. on that investment. And I and you get that return by what am I going to get yeah. from? What is the career? What is the path? What is the product? What is the the change or the end result? And and I don't think there's been a, enough of that. But contract I, and that's I'm sorry no, I got a little bit off page. But anyway, at the end of the day, contractors are really struggling for qualified yeah. help. A lot of the help they're getting is actually coming from overseas. Oh, wow. Uh, you walk on the construction site and they're right. great people. I've worked with some people from the, from some international workers on us construction sites and they're sharp and they're talented and they're energetic and they're yeah. committed and they're quality driven and, and they work, do great yeah. work. And, and so, but it's what it is. That, that's part, it, that's part it is of an art. Yeah. That's it's an art and construction is an art when you're rehabilitating, you know, manholes, for example. And I've watched these guys yep. do that work and I'm like, wow, that's amazing with uh, the way they line uh, infrastructure. Absolutely. It's, it's awesome. Uh, but I do think that there's uh, public side, local side, right. And, and the local engineering firms is as well. They have a struggle with good and bad engineering firms. I really do because I've been on construction sites and I tell you, I haven't seen an engineer on the site for like a week. And I'm thinking to myself, you're kind of opening that Pandora's box to those contractors just running away with the project, doing whatever they wanted. Uh, so how do you think we could, solve that well it kind of goes back to what you were saying it's 
just quality yeah all around it, it does and and there's an accountability yeah. you know in in the contractor is in the tenuous position of not necessarily wanting to report the engineering firm to the licensure yeah. board who who manages them who monitor monitors them mm -hmm. indirectly uh and i'll explain in just a second with that a yeah. long narrative but, but the idea is that if you want the engineer to step up, somebody's going to have to force that engineer to step up if they aren't already doing it. If they don't have the professional understanding and, and acceptance of their obligation as a professional to do certain things, uh, then they need to be reminded yeah. of that. And the licensure board in the state is the, is the group that's responsible for doing that. The problem with the licensure system for engineers is that it's a reactive mm. system. In other words, we assume that the engineers are doing mm -hmm. the right job until we're told otherwise. And then it, it'll take a while for, but nevertheless, the board will look into and have conversations with and, and remind, if appropriate, as right. appropriate, uh, the responsibilities. So, but somebody's got to let the board know. I didn't even know a board. It's not, the board doesn't have the manpower or the resources to go out and monitor to see if somebody showed up on the job site, if there's a project engineer on site as got required. It. Uh, the, to, to ensure that the project's being done right. And that, that by the way, that the project engineer, uh, which isn't always an engineer, uh, but that <laughs> right. the, the, the engineer's representative, yeah, let's frame it that way, right. the engineer's representative is qualified to do what it is they're doing. I've, been, I've walked on the sites where the, the engineer's representative. An intern. No. <laughs> it's an intern. Yeah. Right. And it's amazing. Yeah. And, I, and I've worked on I've worked onto those sites as a vendor. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm I mean, I, I have supplied equipment and I have designed systems. So I've, I've been on both sides of this. I've done construction. I've mm -hmm. done design, done project planning. I plan. I've done planning. So I've, I've actually been involved at some point in my career in some aspect of, of this and all yeah. aspects of this. Uh, even even to the governmental level. Well, we have like so, 15, 15 minutes left. I, I want to talk about the infrastructure gap. Oh, well, I thought we'd we are over. Time. We are you over. Really, this is so good. It's so good. I, hopefully, you have fifteen more minutes. Uh, I, I'm going to let this baby run because I think um, I want to talk about the infrastructure gap, and I think yep. you know a lot of it's estimated, and I want to know how accurate you think we are on that two point five nine trillion dollars. Um, gap that we currently still have spot on spot on, we're spot on. good answer <laughs> well, well, well I, I say that okay well here's the deal and, and you may uh, you may be setting me up to, to say this and if not that's fine too uh again as i said earlier ase has been engaged yeah. in uh the infrastructure report card as a way of communicating the needs and the uh -huh. opportunities uh, in 2019, we, we put out a report called Failure yep. to Act, which monetized the relative costs to individuals for, for failing to invest in infrastructure. At the same time, and in the 21, 2021 report card that we put out, uh, coming up on two years now, uh, we, we said we needed $2.6 trillion over mm -hmm. 10 years to address the infrastructure failures that we already had in place. And that was not addressing the need for new infrastructure. And I'll let you frame new in any yeah. way you want to new infrastructure for the rest of the century. We're just talking about addressing what we had to maintain yeah, and deal right, with because today. we've been so reactive. Sorry. I just throw that in there. 
Correct. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, let's fix the problems. Then we can talk right. about tomorrow. You know, it's 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 hard to talk about twenty uh, second century uh, transportation infrastructure when you got a pothole that'll swallow right. a Volkswagen. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, so so we have to address that, and 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 we did this reiteratively, year in and year out. We reevaluated, reassessed the numbers. We collected data from a from a broad resource. So I have high confidence when we said in twenty one that we needed two point six trillion over ten years. That we needed at least two point six trillion yeah. over ten years. Of course, uh, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, or what we come commonly referred to as the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, today provided, set aside, defined, allocated, have you want to frame it, one point two trillion mm -hmm. over five. Well, good start, yes, not completing yeah. the job. So we have to continue with this conversation. ASC and other organizations are. We've been monitoring the deployment of resources uh, from uh, uh, the bipartisan infrastructure law uh, since it was signed. Yeah. Where did it go? I mean, literally thousands and thousands of projects, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars being deployed into communities to fix bridges and roads and, and rebuild and repair uh, mm -hmm. water systems, Jackson, Mississippi. Right. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and and you just go on. And for and for those of that don't know, I'm sitting in North Mississippi right now, so I'm not in Jackson, and I can't drink tea <laughs> without fear of, of, right. of anything. Uh, <laughs> I'm also on a private well uh, and a water purification yeah. system yeah. point of view. <laughs> so you're off the grid, basically. <laughs> but <it>. anyway, <laughs> but 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 never. But the idea here is that we we are putting that money in, and it, but yeah. it's a start. It's not the end. And we're going to have to continue to and go back to what I said earlier on, Chad. This is we hope, and I, and, I, and I hope. Let me frame it that way. I hope that what we've done is turn the corner, and will turn the corner in the sense that we understand that this isn't a one-time yeah. investment. This is the start of a continuing reinvestment. That once we get the problems of this decade mm -hmm. fixed, mm -hmm. this ten years fixed, that we got another ten years and another ten years. And that we need to be talking about the 22nd yeah. century, yeah. Today, if you I, I turn those that are on here, it's it's very easy to find. If you want some free time, if you have some free time and and like videos and want to look into the future, ASCE started a project at the end of the last decade called Future World Vision. And if you go to the website futureworldvision.org, yeah. no periods other than the one right before org, but futureworldvision.org you'll see information about what we think 22nd century water and wastewater infrastructure needs to be to provide national security. We're going to talk about how big data plugs into cityscapes in order to optimize and uh, uh, resource deployment and minimize, if not eliminate, uh, inequitable distribution yeah. of those resources. Uh, the, the infrastructure conversation is the cornerstone to Future World Vision's conversation. And we are looking 50 to 70 yeah. years out because that's where we need to be. We've got to get ahead of this conversation to talk about what we need to be building for right. tomorrow, not just what we need to be building and, for and yesterday. And to understand what each and local, each local entity community needs, uh, you know, 
That's really what we need to know. We need that data you're talking about so we know where to distribute the funds accordingly to, to improve our infrastructure in all the local communities, improving life, sustainability, economically, right? So that's the way we want to drive Absolutely. our business and build these communities up. And then, uh, you know, we're going to need a centralized system to do that. I really do. I, I think we, we need something. And, and we're going to get, go back to what we, you and I were discussing earlier. We're going to need citizen yeah. input. We need that we need that citizen engagement to say for our community this yeah. is what's important what, what community a wants isn't what community exactly. b wants and and, and the, in terms of the way the roads are built or the types of roads are built or the environment that you live in whether you i, I framed it when i first mentioned it in the context the question the industry the community has to ask do i want industry do i want an industry in yeah. my town if i do then what do I have to do to mm -hmm. attract it? If I don't want industry in my town, then what do I want? What kind of a community do I want? And the, one answer for one community is not the right answer True. for another. It's, it's what the citizens yeah. want. And that's why it's important for them to start thinking critically and start talking to their representatives and start uh, expecting yeah. more. Not, not just accepting what you get, but expecting more and asking for more. But let me reiterate, understanding that when you ask, there's also a price tag associated Always. with that. As I've said before, there is no free lunch. So if you want something better, be willing yeah. to pay for it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where these next decades, you know, transition to yes. what happens and how we keep infrastructure. Well, I, I, exactly. As I said, again, at the beginning, infrastructure has set many governmental entities up, propped them up, made them internationally renowned, made them world right. powers. And infrastructure has undone yeah. that for them. Well, that's the question we're in a position right now where, where do we want to be on the global scale? Where do we want to be in, in a world that is smaller than it's ever been in a world where we're more connected than we've ever been more reliant on individuals. I mean, think about the, the, the tea I was yeah. just drinking. Where did it come from? Not right. my backyard. So how did it get here? And and the the monitor that I'm looking at, and the and the and the camera that we're using, and and the clothes that I'm yeah. wearing. Uh, I absolutely can positively guarantee you, without fear of contradiction, none of this came from where yeah. I live right now. So it had to be manufactured, it had to be built, it had to be created, and an infrastructure yeah. system. Water, sewer, power, waste management, transportation, telecommunications, internet, all had to come to play at a place to make totally that happen. Totally did, Dennis. That's, a, that's amazing. And I think that's a good way for us to end the podcast today because I think if I ask one more question, okay. we're, we're going to be past an hour. So uh, we, we'll do another one. I think it would be great to have you on again later on this year. Okay. <laughs> take yeah, two. take two and because and, I have a lot more questions. But uh you know, this is a great way to end it. And is there any way that, uh, or not any way, but is there anything you want to tell the audience, uh, put out any information, how to contact you, if you have questions, you know, things like that. Well, I thought I was going to be anonymous <laughs> after this. You are not <laughs> anonymous at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the good news is the last name is spelled, we were discussing before yeah. we went live, uh, my last name, Truax, T-R-U-A-X. I absolutely guarantee you, if you do a web search, 
Pick your uh-huh. engine of choice. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to advocate right. for one or the other. Um, pick whatever web engine you search engine you want to use. You type in Truex. The one of the top five, if not all of the top five, yeah. are going to be me. That's awesome. So, so if you want to find <laughs> me, I can't be. I don't hide. Uh, emails out there. The university email yep. address still works. Use it. Uh, that's probably the best way to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I am on LinkedIn. I am on Facebook. For the time being, I am on Twitter. <laughs> and and the students that I work with, and I work with a lot of students on an international platform, have been trying to get me to go to Instagram. Yeah. I got an account, but I don't monitor. <laughs> so well, maybe some Snapchat. This isn't photogenic. photogenic. So, so yeah, you so, are. No, yeah, I'm not. I'm into taking pictures of myself and saying. Well, at least you didn't say you have a TikTok. Here's account. me with a hamburger. I'm sorry. Oh, TikTok. Hmm. Actually, actually, one of my one of my instruments is a government device. You cannot have TikTok, right? Yeah, that's a whole thing. That's another conversation that we could have later. But uh. yeah, see, I, I'm not that great at dancing. <laughs> Ask my wife. Uh, so, so TikTok just didn't. Yeah. Uh, my my daughter, my one daughter has a degree in acting. She would be fine this on was, TikTok, yeah. but. Not, not Dennis, this was amazing, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. This is this is great. I can't wait for the next time. Hey, Ted. No, thank you for the invitation. You could have been talking to a lot of different people today. Uh, for them, you could have been doing a lot of different things. I appreciate the opportunity to share some thoughts and and, and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, I hope that uh, your audience uh, uh, has learned something. I mean, if they're all, they've invested time. The way I usually leave things, you ask the question, let sure. me leave it this way. They chose to listen to the podcast. You and I we showed up and we had fun and right. we had a conversation. They chose. My hope, my sincere hope is that their investment in time in what we've just shared provides value 100%. to them. If, if it does, yeah. it's a win. Well, that's why we're here. Awesome. Thank you, Dennis. Right. Great way to end it. And okay. thank you so much again. Happy New Year. And uh, we'll connect sometime later on this year. Look forward to it. You take care. Thanks, All Dennis. success. See you, bud. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. We hope that this show brought you some insight on relevant topics within the infrastructure world. Please join us every two weeks on Tuesday for the next episode. If you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, please set up a 15-minute interview with your host at calendly.com slash chadsmeltzer. 